This episode is supported by Lightstream, the nation's premier online consumer lender. They offer low-interest fixed-rate loans from $5,000 to $100,000 for practically any purpose. It's also brought to you by Jamie's kids, who are both home sick from school. It's not COVID! It's not COVID. <laughs> no, it is not. Love is love if you don't have to make a family by taking a traditional ride. If he's not a ovaries could talk, you would say. I am a lesbian. Black queer human being. We are two gay dads. I am a transgender man. Trans woman. Bisexual, non-binary, single parent by choice. Can I ever have nice things? I just want nice things. <laughs> he just got spit up on. <laughs> hey, E. Hey, Jay. What's good in the hood? You just informed me that Mercury is not, in fact, in retrograde anymore. And I don't it understand ended. why we are still having all the technical difficulties. We are still having... Also, this episode is truly brought to you, my kids who are home. <laughs> Mine is home, too. We apologize if you hear any noises of children in the background. That's just the way it is. This is a parent's podcast. <laughs> Absolutely. Mine is playing video games, so he's oh, not pretty. Nice. He actually only wants a little bit of my time, and then he goes away. He doesn't wow. even bother me. That's how things change. Ooh, that brings me to a, a note we got from a listener. Oh, what was it? Michelle. Well, I'm acting like I'm not looking at it. I'm sorry. Oh, what was it? Tell me. Michelle on Instagram <laughs> wrote to us, love you guys. Can we hear more stories about parenting older kids? That's you, E. Entering preschool and elementary with queer parents. We got that covered. Um, navigating making friends with school parents. Oh, we could talk about that. We could talk about mm. that for days. Demanding schools change forms that say mother and father, donor siblings, telling big kids their conception stories, etc. All of that, yes. Some of those topics, E, you and I can cover, and we will do yes. our best to cover those topics in, in our intros, uh, in episodes, and try to bring up those questions with guests. I would love to jump in. Just a little smibbit, a smibbit. Mm -hmm. about parenting an quote-unquote older child. I don't know yeah. why I keep air quoting. It's like your thing today. He's he's not really older, older, but he's 11. So 11 he's, is not four. <laughs> it's not four. And I feel like you're grown when your feet are a size 11 and a half. Man. Men. Then I guess I'm never going to be grown. I guess not. No, I'm just joking. No, but it's it's really interesting because I was so excited to be with him today, and I had all these fun things. We we're gonna go play basketball, and we're and he's just he. First of all, he slept until ten thirty, which I give him because he's up at six thirty usually. And then he walks out, and he had a bad dream last night, and so he sat on my lap. And Aww. yes, he's five four and one hundred and twenty pounds, but he sat on my lap. Aww. And he now sleeps with no shirt because, as he told oh me, that's God. what men do. My four-year-old went to sleep in no shirt the other day. I was like, what? Wait, what? what is Excuse going on? me? It's a lot. <laughs> but he sat on my lap and he, he was emotional because he had a bad dream. And I was just, it was the best for me. It was mm. the best because he doesn't come sit on my lap anymore. Like, I get a hug. The other day I had to uh, correct him because this is the phrase he said. He said, shorty jit tripping. What's up, shorty? What? And I'm like, who's shorty? <laughs> what? what are you talking about? Jit. He's like, no cap, shorty jit tripping. Oh my God. Oh my God. And I was like, I hate school. School <laughs> did this. School ruins children's lives. Well, also like all the apps, the TikTok and stuff. I've seen Ugh. parents do like funny skits of like just talking like their kids. It's so funny because I have no idea what you just said at all. <laughs> jit tripping, shorty. What is jit? What did I do? I don't know, shorty. Jit tripping. Oh my God. And so at first I thought he said shit tripping. 
And I was like, how did you just say shit to me? He said, Ma, no. I said, Jig tripping, shorty. And I was like, oh tell God. me what that means. He's like, legit oh. tripping, oh. meaning you're making mistakes. Okay, let's do it. Let's let's see how lot. many times we can use that phrase in this intro. Jit tripping. <laughs> jit tripping. I got some things that are jit tripping. But before we move on, I just want to say if any of you at home have experience in demanding schools change forms that say mother and father, or you have interesting donor sibling stories, or telling your big kids their conception stories, we want to hear from you. Send us an email. Consider this your sign right now to reach out because you might have been thinking about it. And now here's your sign. Reach out. Talk at gmail.com if you have any of those topics because E and I can't necessarily cover those organically because I don't think we have that much experience with that. But I mean, this we'll is do our my best. first and only kid. So yeah. So if you have any of that stuff, you know, <laughs> reach out and let us know because we're trying to we're trying to cover all the bases. Now, I just want to say one thing. E, oh, we, yes. we did not win the People's Choice Award. <laughs> it's OK. It's OK. Honestly, like we got the nomination thanks to all of you lovely folks at home. Thanks, guys. Thank you. We got the nomination, <laughs> and that means the world. And we're going through a crazy transition. I'm proud we're just even here, <laughs> still yes. doing this. It's been yes. a journey and a half. So we didn't win, but that's okay. We still have you, and you're still listening. And so we love you for that. And it's only just, it's only just begun. Yeah, it's only just begun. Me and you're me. welcome for that, America. That was gorgeous. And, yeah. the, and the universe. Listen, I have a rant. We were recently in a meeting with someone who could have really changed the trajectory of this podcast and kind of like just stepped, or stepped it up like a big amount. And we were told that their audience is conservative and not ready for LGBTQ content. And I was really annoyed by that. Um, I feel like our families are everywhere. This is wholesome content, by the way. This is stories about queer families. This is not, we're not talking about sex with the same sex. We're talking about families. And we're freaking everywhere. And to be told, and I've been told many, many times, oh, but it's just so niche. You're so niche. It's not, there's not really a need for those stories. Yes, there is. And there's thousands of people tuning in right now who are listening who, yes, they want to hear this. You want to hear this. And we're everywhere. And so I, I've just heard it enough and I'm tired of it and I get angry. And that's my rant. And I feel like what we need to do is just do our best to like support any queer content that's out there, reshare, like, repost, all this stuff so that we can show those powers that be above us, oh shit, actually, yes, the world is ready for this. The, it's time that the media reflects the world that is really happening around them. And that's my two cents. And E, you can say your two cents because E does not feel the same way as me. I'm going to get in so much trouble for what I'm fixing to say, but I'm fixing to say it. I was in Georgia, so I'm You're fixing. You're tripping that's, right now. Go I'm ahead. Oh God, not jit tripping. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like the LGBTQ movement has gone so fast and so far, mainly because there are white men involved. So I see us struggling for things that black folks still can't get. Minorities of all other colors, non-white, can't get. Mm -hmm. So when they say niche, they're still saying niche about black people. I guess I am. I don't know. I don't have much faith in the system mm. in in seeing us as non-niche because this whole country was created 
for the Donald Trunks. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It wasn't mm-hmm. created for me. It wasn't even created for you. You're as a woman, you're a minority. You know what I mean? Yeah, on top of right. LGBTQ, on top of we're over 40, on mm-hmm. top of, on top of the queer and the like I just I don't know. I think that the the queer movement is so much further than the race movement mm. in this country. I don't think you're going to get in trouble for what you just said. And that put some great perspective to me, honestly, because like you, you kind of take this with a grain of salt because this is just what you what you're used to. And I'm coming at it like an angry white Karen. Like, how dare you? <laughs> no, take I'm away- not. Gonna- no, but no, no. But <laughs> yeah. for real, yeah. though, like I'm coming at it with all this fire and heat because I'm not used to this. I'm not used to being told no. I'm not used to being told, oh, but mm. you're just you're not mainstream. So I've been I get getting what no you're saying. since I can remember. Right. I've been getting rejected for exactly who I am since I entered the acting world. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's just, we're so much further. My perspective feels like we're so much further. The fact that we have this, we had a meeting. We got in the room. We got in, we the, got room. in the room. I'm still pissed though. <laughs> you're, I think we're all allowed to be pissed about what we're pissed. I just know if I stay in pissed like I did for the first half, three quarters of my life, I can't function. I get I it. I can't be pissed at everybody all the time. I can't be in flux mm-hmm. because because of my mental health stuff. And I know our listeners have asked us to talk more about mental health. But in order to keep my mental health okay, I can't go to every fight that is... Wait, wait. I want to say it right. I can't... Oh, shit. I can't box in every ring that I'm invited to. Okay. Ooh, there you go. Right. Yes. It's true. It's true. We got to pick our battles. And I'm going to pick that battle. <laughs> We'd be remiss if we didn't mention Patreon. Don't forget, we have a whole Patreon community, and it starts at just two bucks a month, the lowest tier. You join there, you get all kinds of extra bonus content, and we uh, appreciate all the support. So head on over to patreon.com forward slash Ovaries Talk to join. I love that you still say forward slash. I love it. Okay. I'm 48. (laughs) Um, All right, let's talk about our guest, Carrie. Oh my gosh, yes. Carrie had a baby with her wife. And Mm -hmm. she loved it so much. She's one of those unicorns who love the pregnancy. She loved Mm. it so much. She decided to become a surrogate for another family. Yes. And she managed to find a lesbian couple (laughs) to be a carrier for, which is amazing. And if I I weren't 48 with an aging uterus, I would totally volunteer it for y'all. Because I know. I know you (laughs) would want it, right? (laughs) Carrie's story is really great. And it's full of wise tidbits of info and guidance for anyone going on that fertility journey, especially the surrogacy journey. Um, yes. And let's but not wait. ruin it. Yeah. 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 Let's not ruin it for yeah. you guys. Let's let's have Beulah or Helen. Are they are they still fighting? I'm not fighting with her anymore. Uh oh. I don't know what you're talking about, Beulah. <laughs> I mean, Helen, I forgot who I mean. This is Beulah. Oh, I know God. you're Beulah. Can Helen. both of can Helen both of Beulah. y'all please roll the tape? Beulah and Helen, please roll I'm the tape. I'm rolling the tape. Okay, thanks, Helen. Hey, Carrie. Hi, Carrie. Hi. Hello. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much. So wonderful to meet you. Carrie, where are you coming from? I am in Arizona. Hey, I like Arizona. How hot is it? Is it super hot right now? Is it crazy yeah, hot? Yeah, we're still in triple digits. <sighs> yeah. Yep, it's not fall here. <laughs> Let's get into this 30-second elevator pitch. Right, Tell right. our listeners at home who you are and why you're here. And I get to try my multilinguality. So today is ein, zwei, drei. Go. All right. Well, I am Carrie Flamer Powell. 
I am a mother via sperm donation and a member of the LGBT community. And I am the former owner of All Families Surrogacy. I was a gestational surrogate myself. I carried for a lesbian couple. And then I started my own gestational surrogacy agency, uh, which I sold in 2020 called All Families Surrogacy. And now I have a company called Surrogacy Mentor, where I educate and recruit surrogates for other agencies. Wow. You did it. Okay, yes, you did 37 it. seconds. You did it, Carrie. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. First of all, do you identify as a lesbian mom or how do you, how do you self-identify? You can never be too sure. You know, that's such a good question. So I actually recently divorced from my wife. We were together 18 years. Congratulations. Wow. 18 Thank years you. is success to me. Yes. I mean. Yeah, it's like 180 years in lesbian years, right? <laughs> Indeed. Um, um, so the short answer is I identify as bisexual, but when I came out in the 90s, bisexual was not a thing. Mm, and mm. so you had to pick a side. And so I picked the lesbian side and was on that side for 20 plus years. Mm-hmm. And um, since my divorce, I've reacquainted myself with my bisexuality. All right. So yeah, it's been an interesting re-exploring that identity, but... I've always identified as a lesbian mom. My daughter has two moms. I mean, that's always been our family structure. Mm -hmm. And so could we talk a little bit about how you and your ex got into creating your family? Yeah, absolutely. So we were living in Arizona at the time and we started the foster to adopt process in Arizona. So this would have Mm. been 2008. Mm-hmm. So well mm-hmm. before federal gay marriage was passed, you know, mm-hmm. and Arizona is pretty conservative and mm-hmm. it was conservative then as well. So we started the foster to adopt process and we're very quickly told that we would be picked last to have a child placed with us because we were a lesbian couple. And this was 2008. Mm-hmm. This was mm-hmm. right when the whole recession, market crash, housing crash, everything happened. And the company that I worked for closed down and we were like, you know, these are all just signs that I don't think we're in the right place. And maybe we need to go somewhere where our family will be recognized legally. So we did some research and um, Mm. we had both always wanted to live in Portland, Oregon. And we said, you know what, we're just going to go. And so we packed up everything and moved to Portland because at the time, again, this is 2008 before gay marriage. They offered dom- what they called domestic partnership rights, which within the state of Oregon gave us full marital rights. Mm-hmm. So we were like, we're going to go there. They have birth certificates in Oregon that are parent A and parent B. There's no mother, father. And so, yeah. And this was even oh, really? in 2008. Yeah. And if you were... Even in 2008? Yeah. They're amazing. Wow. Go ahead, Oregon. You go ahead with your bad self. They're always ahead of the times. <laughs> they really are. And it was, it was really something that we wanted at the time because we didn't know if or when gay marriage was ever going to pass federally. And we just needed to go somewhere that, you know, recognized us. So, and also where you weren't completely othered, right? Right. Exactly. So, yeah. So we moved to Oregon and we um, just happened to rent this high rise downtown. It's called the South Waterfront and it's right on the river. And literally right across the way, just like steps away was um, a teaching hospital and a fertility clinic. You know what? Let's go talk to them about maybe having a baby on our own now that we're in a place where we could, you know, potentially do that. And so long story short, we did that. And so the foster to adopt 
it just kind of, I mean, you still wanted to do it, but this was just kind of a sign that this, this is just looks like this could be a viable path for us at this point. And let's just do that. Right. Cause we didn't feel that pursuing having a baby of our own in Arizona was, we didn't even feel comfortable going to fertility doctors in Arizona and talking to them. It just wasn't a thing that we felt comfortable doing, yeah. but once yeah. we were in Oregon, it was like, wow, maybe we could pursue this option. There are, you know, LGBT friendly um, medical professionals here. Let's just go chat with them and see. And we knew they had a sperm bank within this hospital as well. Mm -hmm. So just goes oh, wow. to show it's so important. If you don't see it, you don't believe it. Right. Uh, right. Yeah. yeah, indeed. So this hospital, this fertility clinic had a sperm mm -hmm. bank inside it. So it was a smaller sperm bank, like a private sperm mm -hmm. bank or was it? Well, I mean, they did work with other hospitals and other, it was, it was open to the public, but it was relatively small compared to something like a, um, like a you know, California the big cryo or yeah, something like exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So did it allow you to see the donors, um, pictures or did you have access to the same stuff? I wonder as the California cryo bank. Sadly, no. Mm. So okay. all we had was a written profile and it was about mm -hmm. 10 pages long and it included a portion of the psychological evaluation, the interview portion, and then a bunch of, um, you know, demographic and medical background, and then a lot of essay questions that he answered. Mm -hmm. So mm. we got a really good picture of him, but we didn't have actual pictures or any video or anything. Mm. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So all you youngins today, you get the pictures, <laughs> you get the grown up pictures. You get the boys, right? you get open donors. Things have come a yeah. long Ooh, way. You know. Yeah. A long way. So we actually chose a sperm donor first that we really liked. Did an IUI transfer, intrauterine insemination. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I was the one who was going to carry because my partner, um, my wife at the time was eight years older, well, is, oh, is eight years older. So I was 34 and she was what? 42. I can't do math at the moment. But yeah. Yeah. So it was like, she didn't really want to carry and I definitely wanted to carry. So it was determined that I was going to be the carrier. So I went in for the IUI. It didn't work. And we went to get another sample from that donor and he was completely sold out. And we were like, uh, oh, crap. Oh, wow. oh, that's so, so annoying. Actually, you got to go back to the drawing board. We had board. to go back to the drawing board. Ugh. And we chose our second one. And the way we ended up choosing our second one was we let our parents read the profiles. Oh, wow. And my mom, my mom said, I like this guy because he sounds like somebody I'd be friends with. Uh -huh. And I was like, you know, what? that seems like a really good litmus test of like who we want. There you go. So we there chose him and worked out. That's one way to do it with the search for Superman. Just go ahead and put, <laughs> put, the, put the decision in someone else's hands. And, right. then, <laughs> and then it's not your fault. It's theirs. Let no, mom decide. <laughs> Let mom decide. I love it. So I'm taking it that you and your ex-wife, a wife at the time, had great relationships with your parents. Because mm -hmm. I'm, I'm assuming that if you didn't, you would not have given them the honor <laughs> yeah. of picking your seed. Yes. Yes. Seed. Is that weird that I said picking your seed? It's I'm so sorry. strange. <laughs> um, yeah, we have great relationships. They were all at our wedding. Um, we got married in 2006, and they were all there and walked us down the aisle. And um, they've all been great and not never had any issues. That's amazing. That's great. And now, how are you and your recent ex co-parenting together? Is it, do you, first of all, is it okay to talk about this? Of course. Yeah. Okay, great. Dive in. Tell me. 
We co-parent like rock stars. I mean, there's no animosity or anything between us. It was just, you realize after 18 years that you're better off friends. And um, we made it very clear to our daughter that we were getting divorced, but our family wasn't. Mm -hmm. And so our family is our family and her parents are her parents. So we live five miles apart and we have um, her every other week. So Friday to Friday, I'll have her. And then she goes to her other mom's house Friday to Friday. And it works out well for all of us. Yeah, I'm on a Friday to Friday too. And that's a new thing for us. Mm -hmm. I love it. I do too. Okay. Gives you a nice break. (laughs) Yeah. Don't talk about a nice break to me. (laughs) Sorry. Jay. I got to tell you, I'm still baffled by all the costs associated with LGBTQ family building. (laughs) Fertility care alone can put you in the hole, even when things go smooth. Quote, unquote. I know. Yeah. Not only do we queer folks have to pay for the normal expenses people do when they become adults, like weddings, cars, buying a home, student loan debt. We have so many expenses when it comes to making our families and don't even get started on second parent adoption and all the costs associated Mm. with that. I mean, I could go on and on. It just goes on and on. I know. But listen, listen, folks, if you're thinking about and or ready for that next baby making chapter in your life or you just want to buy a freaking car, (laughs) we have a way to help you get rid of any high interest credit card debt you might have so you can start this journey with a cleanish slate. Yes, cleanish. Now may be the time to consolidate that debt and pay it off faster with a low fixed rate loan from Lightstream. A credit card consolidation from Lightstream can help you pay off your credit cards and lock in a low fixed interest rate. Rates start at 5.73% APR with auto pay and excellent credit. You can get a loan from $5,000 to $100,000 and there are absolutely no fees. You can even get your money as soon as the day you apply. Wow. Mm. And just for our listeners, apply now to get a special interest rate discount and save even more. The only way to get this discount is to go to lightstream.com slash OCT. That's L-I-G-H-T-S-T-R-E-A-M dot com slash OCT. Disclaimer, subject to credit approval, rates range from 5.73% APR to 19.99% APR and include a 0.5% auto pay discount. Lowest rate requires excellent credit. Terms and conditions apply and offers are subject to change without notice. Visit lightstream.com slash OCT for more information. I love how we get our radio voices on for that last part. (laughs) Back to the birthing process. So you pick out new ingredients. (laughs) The mom choice. Sorry, pick out new seed. And who goes next? I have another IUI and everything works out with the first try with that second donor. Wow. And I got pregnant. Yeah. Good job. Yeah, it was relatively easy. I felt really glad that it was that easy because I was 34. I wasn't sure, you know, if it was Mm going to be easy. But yeah, I got pregnant, had the best pregnancy ever. You loved being pregnant. Did you love it? Loved being pregnant. I mean, obviously, because you became a surrogate, but a gestational carrier, but- you really loved it? <laughs> loved it. I loved it. I loved every minute of it. Maybe that had something to do with me being older and just knowing that this was going to be my only baby. I knew mm. we weren't going to have more than one kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, just relishing the whole experience. But on top of that, I'm just one of those gross people who you hate to hear about because I never had morning sickness. And 
Don't Never had Carrie. anything. I know. So I mean, annoying. I'm happy for you. I'm really happy for you, Carrie. <laughs> <laughs> so uneventful pregnancy, which is a blessing. Mm-hmm. And then and then daughter is born and it's blissful and it's lovely and everything is rainbows and unicorns or was what, what's going on? Yeah. I mean, actually, yeah. Once she arrived, it was great. I mean, she was born at 39 weeks and she was even at 39 weeks, she was just shy of nine pounds and super healthy and big old baby. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was awesome. Like our family came in and visited. I had a C-section. So I was in labor 17 hours and then she decided to turn transverse sideways. Oh no. With like her head and feet at my hips. Uh, and so oh, yeah. they, they can't were like, get, uh, no, we can't get her that way. So oh, yeah, wow. I did have a C-section. So my recovery was a little unexpectedly hard, but mm-hmm. yeah, other than that, I mean, everything was great. And I was lucky enough to stay home with her for the first couple of years. Um, my wife worked and was doing great. And I said, you know, I'm going to take time off and just stay home and enjoy this one kid that we're going to have. Mm-hmm. And it was awesome. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. So, so then take us down the road of how you got into becoming a gestational carrier, because correct me if I'm wrong, but even 34 is old for a gestational carrier. Am I wrong? Am I making that up? So, um, it's actually not. So you, for an egg donor, yes. So Ah, when you're talking about, yeah, when you're talking about a surrogate, um, you can actually be up to age 40, sometimes even over 40. Um, cause it's actually, not about your age. I can still do it. You could, you could be a surrogate, but also actually, I forgot. We talked to a couple who used one of their moms mm-hmm. as their gestational yeah. carrier. Yeah. Yeah. It's just and about the health of the 60s. uterus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Are, I totally want to do it. You should do it. E. <laughs> I totally want to do it. Okay. I mean, but Aaron would want to keep the baby. Well, that, that would be a problem. And I don't, I don't think I'm you good would, with, I'd be, I mean. I don't think you'd pass the psyche valve at this, at this you point. You would not pass the psyche valve. <laughs> That's for sure. Damn it. <laughs> nope. So, Damn it. So take us through that. Well, yeah. When did it happen? How did it happen? So my daughter was about, um, I want to say 18 months old. And I w- I'd always been in the corporate world. And I was starting to kind of get the itch of, I want to do something, but I don't want to leave my baby. Mm-hmm. And along those same lines, I was also having this feeling like all of these feelings at the same time. That was one of them. The other one was, I loved being pregnant. I want to experience it again, but I don't want to have another kid of my own. And then, You know what? Actually, can we pause there with that? Can you talk yeah. about knowing I only want one and both of you being like sure and adamant? No, one is we're one and done. Because I don't mm-hmm. know if that's, that's everyone's experience and it might be some folks' mm-hmm. experience. So let's, let's talk to that mm-hmm. and folks who might be grappling with that decision. Well, I won't say that I was 100% adamant that we were only having one, but my mm. wife was always adamant that we were having one. Mm. And I think that probably had something to do with her being eight years older than me and mm. you know, into her 40s by the time our daughter was born and also me staying home and her being the sole income earner. I think she just felt like one is enough at this point. Um, but I was still like, 70%, 30%, like 70% okay, not having another one, 30% maybe, we'll see. Mm-hmm. But I was, I was okay if we didn't. It wasn't, I was, it wasn't a burning desire for me to have two. And especially knowing that my wife was so against it, I was okay. Mm-hmm. So okay. I think sometimes it's not so black and white for people that there are a lot of times where one partner's kind of half in, half out, but they're okay if the other one's not, you know, it's, 
It's not always black and white. And whatever decision you make, it's, it's going to be the right decision for you, right? So Right. Absolutely. So I was, you know, wanting to be pregnant again, but not wanting another baby of my own. And then I also was just so grateful that we had had this sperm donor, this stranger, uh, help us make a family. And I thought, how can I do that for somebody else? How can I be a part of something like that? I know I'm too old to be an egg donor, and I don't want a genetic connection to a baby mm-hmm. that I'm not going to raise. Mm-hmm. So surrogacy was what I found and researched it and was like, yes, this is exactly what I want to do. And applied to some agencies and just wasn't really feeling the agencies, just some of the questions they were asking and the way they were talking to mm-hmm. me. I just didn't like it. Like what? And what do you mean? Could you go into some of that? Some of them were just really, um, really focused on questions that I thought weren't, I didn't think were as important as maybe they thought they were like, um, are you a hundred percent sure that you're absolutely done having children? And of course, having owned an agency, I, I understand now why they asked that, but I was like, no, I'm not, I'm about 70% sure, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. And they're like, well, if you're not a hundred percent sure, we can't talk to you. And I'm thinking, I don't, Mm. I don't know that that's true. And now that I've had an agency, I get the importance of that question, but it's not a hundred percent true. You can still have more children. You just have to be very educated about the risks of surrogacy and any pregnancy. And that if something goes wrong, you may not then have the option to have more children later. And that's the case. Oh, is that the importance for the question? Because I was thinking the importance for the question was to make sure that you didn't try to take the baby. No, that's not, but that's where my brain would go Mm. if they were asking me that question. And initially, my brain did too. But then as I did more research, I realized it was more of a medical thing. Like, if you lose your uterus during this pregnancy and can't have your own children, is that going to be devastating for you? Right. And and we've talked to multiple couples who have used a surrogate and that pregnancy has gone wrong. Right. Yeah. So that is possible. I never thought of that. Yeah. The same same Mm. risks are involved in a surrogacy pregnancy as any other. There's nothing... There's no special, mm-hmm. like, you know. Because no, surrogates special. are magical. So you just think everything will just be beautiful. Right. And right. go great exactly. because surrogates are doing such a wonderful thing. Right. You know? <laughs> I know. So, yeah. So I ended up going independent, which means I did not use an agency to represent me or work with for my surrogacy. And how and do you do I that? Actually, how do you go so independent? It's a little different these days at the at, Back then, this was 2013, Mm -hmm. um, there was a website that everyone used that you could find people, almost like a classified website, people that were looking for a surrogate and people that were willing to be surrogates. And there was a lot of crazies on there at the time, but you could kind of weed through and find some normal people. And Mm -hmm. I just happened to find somehow, some way, divine intervention, I found the one lesbian couple, it seemed like in the whole country, that both had (laughs) medical issues they couldn't carry because of medical issues of their own and needed a surrogate. And we connected and it was like, these are my people. Oh, yeah. Wow. That's beautiful. You have a charmed experience. Mm -hmm. It's sounding like there's, you followed your heart, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. You just followed your heart. Having owned an agency and being an advocate for agencies. um, I absolutely know there's amazing, wonderful, incredible agencies out there my previous agency that I sold having been one of them. Um, it's just about education. It's about research. It's about advocating for yourself. 
And that can be really difficult to do without the right education for sure. Totally. So yeah, we connected online and talked on the phone and I was living in Oregon. They were living in Atlanta, Georgia. And um, they were like, we love you. I'm like, I love you too. They're like, we just feel like this was meant to be. And so we immediately started the process of getting me approved at their fertility clinic, which was in Atlanta. And I flew out there, did all the, my wife and I actually flew out there because she had to do some tests as well, like um, STD testing and stuff like that. So we went out there, did all of our tests, met the, the moms and hit it off. And it was like, it was like two best friends that we'd always had in our life. It was just crazy, <laughs> the connection. Did your wife had to get testing to make sure that she wasn't carrying anything that wasn't showing up in you. Right. So anytime you have a gestational carrier who's sexually active, whether they're married, partnered, whatever, their partner has to be STD tested because if they have something, they could potentially pass it to you while you're pregnant as a surrogate. Whoa. Or to the baby, I'm assuming, right. too. Sometimes it skips. And right. this, this wow. has to be routine testing then, doesn't it? Or it's no? It's usually just initial. Okay. Um, it's usually huh. just initial during the clinic, the initial clinic workup. So I didn't even know that. And Learned something new. We all four had to do a psychological consultation mm -hmm. with a therapist at the clinic. So we did that while we were there and we went forward with the surrogacy and we initially did a transfer with some embryos that they'd had frozen for a while. So one of the moms had a kidney transplant like 15 years prior and the other mom had a thyroid condition that she could not carry a pregnancy. So they had mm. frozen some embryos a few years before meeting me. And so we tried those embryos first, did not take, did not get pregnant. So then they were like, well, we don't have any more embryos, so we need time to get more eggs retrieved. So they both went through egg retrieval process together at the same time. Whoa and ended up they had a death in the family during this time and it was the holidays so we ended up having a six-month break uh, between so the first hard. transfer and the second it was really hard because you know you're like excited to like mm. let's get this going and then mm -hmm. life happens but they went both went through i think two egg retrievals each which is a lot if you've gone through ivf it's That's a, a lot. lot it's a lot of drugs at the same time a lot of doctor's appointments and a lot of prodding and a lot of hormones and emotions and craziness. Mm -hmm. It's not fun. And it's it's a lot on a relationship. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They're, so I can't even imagine the drugs. They like that, that piece of it is. Yeah. They said they were really surprised they didn't get divorced during that time. Because it was <laughs> two women in one house during the holidays in the middle of winter going through IVF. It was just crazy yeah. for them. No. Mm -hmm. You know, it's so funny. When my wife went through IVF, she's she's. The, Queens, like it's like nothing affects her. Like she's like, yeah, fine, I'm mm -hmm. fine, I'm fine. When I went through IVF, no, 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 I <laughs> was an emotional. Right, I don't know why I'm crying. I don't know why I'm crying, right. but I just needed to call you. I'm very upset. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it affects so, everyone differently. Yeah, it really does. So after both of their retrievals, yes. Okay, so now we're at January of 2014, and we have only three embryos that survived the whole process so Ugh. between between two women two doing women. two egg retrievals each so basically wow. four egg retrievals we only ended up with three embryos oh that's hard that's it hard. Was really hard 
Yeah, we were expecting at least double, if not triple that amount after Mm. all of that. So I went back to Atlanta and lo and behold, this is during the great ice storm of 2014 in the middle of Atlanta. So like, it's like all hell's breaking loose. But um, so I get there and they're like, you know what? These embryos are looking really good. We'd like you to stay another night or two so we can let them continue. Cause you know, they, they thaw them out and watch to see how they do. Mm-hmm. And they wanted to let them grow a couple days longer. So I changed my flights and changed my hotel. I'm like, yeah, I'll stay. And so I stayed, did the embryo transfer and went back home and got the positive pregnancy test about 10 days later. Wow. And you, and were you expecting that? Were you expecting it at all? You know, I, I, I was scared to hope because of the first right. one hadn't worked. Yeah. And they'd had such a hard time, but we knew like this was, this was it. They weren't going to go through IVF again. This was it. If this didn't take, they were done. Oh at least, God. at least attempting this route. And so right. it was all or nothing for all of us. So it was, there was a lot, there was a lot weighing on all of us. So oh, it's like, it's to a win blessing. big, you got to risk yeah, big. Mm-hmm. I, I don't use the word blessing just as a rule in my life, but I'm using this. It's like such a blessing. Yeah. You were such a blessing to this family. I mean, let's be real. Gestational carriers and surrogates. Y'all are unicorn, lovely, wonderful people. <laughs> We deserve well, like special. I like to say I have I have good karma for a while. Good karma yeah, points. I think so. Yeah. It was a lot of pressure too because neither of them had children on any side of their family. So this would be the first and only grandchild. Mm. Their oh, only God. attempt at having a baby. So I was like, oh, please let this work. So we found out we were pregnant, went to the first ultrasound, and we were pregnant with twins. <gasps> what? <laughs> Oh, you're like the story just gets you're like better. a miracle like, worker. Why? Everybody, you're gonna get phone calls after this episode. Can she, can, <laughs> can Carrie be my surrogate? <laughs> well, Carrie's old now. Yeah, this was eight Carrie's years ago. Done. Carrie's retired, folks. Carrie's yeah, retired. The uterus is is retired. So, <laughs> so I well before you say I'm a, a magical unicorn. So we had two babies in there and one their heartbeat was a little behind the other one and so the doctor's like let's just watch it so we watched it and everything was actually looking really good the other one caught up for like eight weeks to like the eight week mark and then at 10 weeks I had like the smallest tiniest little bit of spotting just like something you wouldn't even pay attention to and I was like you know what this isn't my baby I just need to be very careful so I'm going to go to the ER just in case something's going oh on. Oh God, the pressure, the pressure and anxiety. Like, I, like it's not yours. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I, oh, uh, it's like a whole yeah, other level. Like, I'm sweating. Yeah, I'm sweating. I know. I know. I'm sweating, re- re- reliving it. <laughs> so yeah, um, they did an ultrasound. They could only find one heartbeat. And it turns oh. out that the other one didn't make it. So oh, um, God. it just reabsorbed, I guess. They, that happens if it's early enough that it can just reabsorb and they didn't see any any indication that it had ever been there, actually. So wow. we just had wow. um, the one baby. And the moms, of course, were um, disappointed. And, of course, it was sad. But they were like, you know what? We went into this just wanting one healthy baby. We're still in this for one healthy baby. We're completely happy. Mm. And so um, mm. the rest of the pregnancy was amazing and formed such a great bond with the moms. and you know, text all the time. My doctor was amazing. She let them Skype in for the ultrasounds and, you know, 
call in and get information that they needed from her. And um, they flew in for the birth and it was both moms, grandma, aunt, <laughs> cousin, and then brother flew in to surprise everybody. So we had a, wow. a really, it was really comical though, because at the hospital, the nurses would walk in and they see basically four <laughs> women, me, my wife, and the two moms. And before the brother got there, everyone else was also, and they're like, is there a dad? And we're like, no, <laughs> there's no dad. And they're like, okay, mom. And they'd look at me and they'd be like, mom. And I'm like, no, these are the moms. And it was like very confusing for everyone to get what was happening in this room. There's the a lot of layers. The non-queers have to start learning not to ask about that. The non-queers have to learn. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. yeah. Let's normalize all of this. But it is, it, yes. is a, it is a different situation. It is It true was very, that. very different. Yes. Okay. So how long were you in labor? And was it a... So actually, this was a planned C-section because I'd had a C-section before. And so my doctor gave me the option of just doing a repeat C-section or I could attempt a VBAC, a vaginal birth after C-section. And I decided I just wanted a repeat C-section, not just for myself, but also because then we could set the date and the moms could know exactly when to come out. And so um, we set it right for 39 weeks because he was also over nine pounds. <laughs> Apparently I grow big babies, you even the sure ones that do. aren't genetically yeah. related to me. So they flew out and um, we'd had a conversation with, the doctor beforehand that we wanted both moms in the room and the hospital had a strict policy. You can only have one person in the room with you for a C-section. And mm. uh, um, yeah. it's ultimately up to the anesthesiologist. And so we talked to the anesthesiologist and they said, we'll make an exception. They can both go in. And so we were like really happy, really excited. And then right at the last minute, the charge nurse came in and said, no, I'm overriding this. It's <gasps> not safe. And only one of you can go in. And one of the moms that I cared for is an attorney. And she started uh -oh. <laughs> threatening uh -oh. legal action. And she's like, this is well, not fun. happening. Like, we had a whole thing. And I was mad. And everyone was just, of course, upset. They want to be in the room when their child's born. So right. we ended up compromising. And they decided one mom could sit there with me while the baby was being you know, gotten to by the doctor. And then as mm -hmm. soon as the baby came physically out, the other mom could come in, see the baby being born, and then they one of them would have to leave. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So that's what we, we did. We need to override this system. Like, figure it out. Are we not right. that far along enough in safety procedures and medical procedures that we can't figure out how to get one more body in the room? Are you kidding me? And right. if something went it wrong, 30 people would rush in. So what are you talking about? Right. And this is pre-COVID. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not a doctor, so, well, you know, I don't know. I don't know the reasons, but I feel mm -hmm. like we can figure this out, doctors. Come on. Right. Ugh. Yeah, and I did a lot of advocating and educating during my time as an agency owner to make sure that our parents could get in with our surrogates and mm -hmm. do everything we could to make that um, possible. But when you're in an OR, there's a lot of different rules that aren't the same as when you're just in a labor and delivery room. Right. So right. there's nothing we right. could do. And the baby was coming. So we just, you know, dealt with it. And at least both moms physically got to see him be born. And then as soon as he was, you know, checked out, I think it was maybe five minutes at the most that they checked him out. And then they took 
both moms and the baby back to their own room. And um, I stayed in recovery with my wife. And then they were in the room next door to mine. And they had, you know, their family and their baby and everything in their own room. And they got to stay there as long as I did, which I think was two days. Oh, wow. So that's Um, good on that hospital. mm -hmm. That's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. And that's pretty typical. They got their own room. It is. Yeah. So um, they were there and they would bring him over to me to, you know, say hi and to get some colostrum and some Mm -hmm. breast milk. And um, it was really great. And the, you know, the mom's mom, grandma would come over and just be like, how are you doing? And thank you so much. And it was just really sweet. It was really sweet. Just the gratitude Mm -hmm. I would feel if if you gave that gift to anybody in my family, you're helping our families make babies. Like you, you did so much more, and then mm-hmm. you opened an agency. Mm-hmm. Like kudos, Carrie. Because <laughs> oh, I know that I don't know. I haven't been in that situation, but I'm sure it must have been interesting with your being married, carrying, being a gestational carrier. Mm-hmm. What's it like seeing the baby after and all of that? How's that feel? Yeah. So to speak to your point that you made just a second ago about helping LGBT families. I mean, I specifically only wanted to be a surrogate for an LGBT family. And I, when I opened my agency, I was very public and open about the fact that I was a lesbian mom and I wanted to help lesbian and gay couples. Of course, we would, I always used to joke that we were straight friendly. Um, and, but I <laughs> would tell people we, when we're joking, like, we're non-queer allies. We are such non-queer right. allies. <laughs> we are yeah. we're straight allies. Um, but I would tell people like, yeah, having been a surrogate for a lesbian couple and having an agency that works mostly with gay couples, it's just part of my gay agenda. That's just part of my, <laughs> my gay agenda for world domination. World, there, yes. it there it is. There it is. There it is. You found, the secrets you figured out, America it out. And the world. That's right. Yes, the secret's out. Um, but to answer your question about the baby. So going into being a surrogate, you have to go through tons of screening, tons of you know, psychological evaluation, background check, interviews. And so you're very clear from the very beginning. It's kind of like um, you don't become a doctor unless you just have the personality to be a doctor and you don't become a lawyer unless you have the personality to be a lawyer you don't become a surrogate unless you have the mindset to be a surrogate you just get it or you don't yeah i I don't think i could do it plus i don't like being pregnant so there's that like right that's dumb of me (laughs) and there's no bad or good it's just you're either cut out for it or you're not and Mm -hmm. so for me it was very easy and very comfortable me to go into it knowing like this is not my child biologically legally emotionally I'm not planning a nursery or a baby name or a shower or any of the things that you plan for when you are having your own child Mm -hmm. and when people say well how could you like give the baby to the parents and I say two things first of all I'm not giving the baby to the parents I'm giving the baby back to their parents they trusted me with their baby and I'm just giving him back now that he's ready. And that's a big difference, right? Cause I'm not giving up something of mine to them. I'm giving them back something that was always theirs. Mm. And the mm. other that's thing so is beautiful. to oh. put it, 
in a more like layman terms, like if you were babysitting your niece or nephew for the weekend, right? And you had a great time and you love your niece and nephew and everything's great. And then the parents come to pick them up at the end of the weekend. You're not going to be like, oh, my God, a part of my soul is being ripped away. <laughs> right, right. You're going to be like, I had a great time. This was amazing. I love you, niece or nephew. Bye. Also, and please take them back. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> it's just an extreme form of babysitting. For nine months, you're just taking care of and gestating this pregnancy for someone that can't do it for themselves. But there's not that emotional attachment to them as you had with your own children. It's just not mm -hmm. there. Right. Did you have to explain to oh. friends and family? All the time. <laughs> Every oh, day. Yes. I have a... Every day. At home, have... you could have seen Carrie's face. The eye roll that just <laughs> yeah. happened. The eye rolls. Oh. Every surrogate everywhere has heard a million times all the questions. And the main one is, how could you give the baby away? How, you know, how could you do that? And it, people just don't understand that it's just right. not, it's not the same emotionally. It's really not. And to this day, I just texted with one of the moms two days ago and I get pictures. He knows I FaceTime with him. He says, I was in your belly and I kicked Aww. you a lot. <laughs> and like he knows all of his story. And... Oh, he knows his birth story. Mm -hmm. Well, he's from Aww. he's from a lesbian couple, so yes, we are very intentional. Yeah. He know <laughs> he knows his origin story. <laughs> yeah, yes. let's be clear. Yes. <laughs> and we've been back to visit them, and like they're just a part of our extended family. Like mm. for, you know, birthdays and Christmas cards and all of that. It's just they're another piece of our family, and we're another piece of theirs. And you got two new lesbian besties. Like, yeah. Done and done. It's a good world. Absolutely. That's a good deal. A good deal. Absolutely. That works out. Before we end this, I want to I wanna talk about your ex's experience in this because she was kind of an unlikely, um, not unlikely, she was a partner throughout all of it. Right. So, you know, the mm -hmm. decision making and how, I, and you cannot, I know, speak to her uh, emotions and, and really how she felt. But what was your experience of her? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, so she was supportive at first, just like most spouses of surrogates. They're like, what are you talking about? What is surrogacy? <laughs> this is crazy. And then as they get more educated and they understand and then they meet the parents and they're like, oh, yeah, this is amazing. I love these people. I want to do this. So she was on board very quickly and she was supportive during the pregnancy. She was just like me, like it wasn't the same as when I was pregnant with my daughter, with our daughter. Um, there wasn't that same connection to the pregnancy. You know, it's not like she was rubbing my belly or, you know, right. kissing on my belly like she was with my daughter. Um, it's just different. But she was very supportive, very close and connected with the moms as well. And it's funny because she, my ex, has actually visited Atlanta more times than I have to see them because she... Her job took her to Atlanta a lot. And so I would get jealous. I'm like, oh, you get to go see them. And I don't because you're on this business trip. <laughs> so he actually, the baby, well, he's eight years old this year. He knows her more than he knows me. And just in terms of like actually physically seeing her. So like we're all close and we're all connected. This is what I love about our queer families. We are so, A, we're so intentional. B, we create these amazing webs of families all over the place mm -hmm. by design, I think. 
out of necessity. We a lot of us just have to create right a support sphere, but That's we right. take it we take it to creative ways. I mean, I just love you got this new chosen family, and yours is 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 a bit different because you actually carried their baby and actually grew it inside of your womb. Right. But right. I just it's just freaking beautiful. I'm gonna say it again. It's freaking beautiful. Yeah, it was. I always tell yeah. people they say, you know, how do you what do you think about having been a surrogate? And I said, next to having my daughter, it's the most amazing thing I've ever done in my life. Literally. Oh, wonderful. Can we get information of your agency? If you still feel feel comfortable sharing, is there anything you want to share? If you want to, because I'm sure Mm -hmm. people are going to say, Oh my gosh, I would love to do that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So if people are interested in surrogacy, particularly if it's a woman who's interested in becoming a surrogate, definitely reach out to me. Um, My website is surrogacymentor.com. And what we do is we educate and screen candidates to be surrogates. And once we know that you qualify, we match you with amazing agencies that I've worked with for many, many years. And yes, the one I used to own is one of them and um, refer you out to them. Um, But we make sure that you're fully qualified and educated before you move on to that step. So making sure that you can advocate for yourself. I love that. And also the fact that you're a queer lady makes it even better. That's right. Absolutely. I'm just so excited for our community that now we've met and had this time with you, Carrie, and we get to say, hey, community, look, it's just more learning. You've taught me things in this conversation. And we get to just spread it out amongst our our folks. Mm -hmm. So thank you for Mm -hmm. your vulnerability and sharing so open and... Wow. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. I appreciate it. Oh, Carrie. Carrie is so very, I love her. I love her. I actually find it particularly amazing how much she remembers the whole surrogacy journey. Like she, she retold that story like down to every detail. Like she had dates, everything. Like so. she had told it before maybe. Maybe, but also like it's just ingrained in her as one of her most precious moments in her life. I don't know. I just, she was amazing. I like her a lot. Uh, folks, don't forget about our, our special merchandise shop. If you love this show and you want to represent your love for us and our beautiful families, you can head on over to our shop and get some If These Ovaries Could Talk, the Queer Families podcast merchandise. Boop, boop, <laughs> We have all kinds of merchandise because, you know, the holidays are upon us. Yes. So this is the time to represent. <laughs> Show the media out there that we're everywhere. <laughs> There's so everywhere. many designs. You can put those designs on any product in the store. T-shirts, mugs, notebooks face masks, laptop cases, you name it. Yes. So go to the link in the bio of our Instagram page to get to the store and buy now. And if you're not okay, following sorry. us on Instagram and TikTok, <laughs> you better go do that as well right this second. And don't I forget mean, yeah. to join us on Patreon to help us create this super important queer content. Yes. Where do they go? They go to patreon.com forward slash Get that bonus content. Uh, yes, don't forget do to now. follow us on all the social media channels, Ovaries Talk on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. And we tick, are tick. If These Ovaries Could Talk on YouTube, and we might be posting some videos on YouTube soon, so make sure you're following uh-huh. us there. Yes, nice. and um, I think that's it. I think Beulah and Helen have definitely made up because they are in the other room now. <laughs> We're busy. Eggs. Ovaries. ovaries. Oh, my God. Ow. Out. If these o- o- ovaries could talk, they would say... 
Sex ovaries out. One more thing, folks. Beulah has just reminded me that we need to thank our Patreon supporters one more time for all of their support and say a special thank you to Lightstream, the nation's premier online consumer lender. Lightstream offers low-interest fixed-rate loans from $5,000 to $100,000 for practically any purpose. We thank them for making our show a possibility. Have a wonderful week.